Hello. Um, I've got my timer on, so you can shout at me if I go over 25, 35, 40. <laughs> How long am I allowed to talk? Um, so anyone who doesn't know me, I am Anna. It's lovely to meet you. Um, before we get into it, I'm going to set the scene with a short story of my life. So, when I was a small child, cue the cute photo. How cute, right? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get all the praise there. Um, <laughs> So when I was a small child, I heard the stories of all the great men of God who travelled across the world, preaching, evangelising, you know, like Jesus stood on a hill, thousands of people listening to them talk, planting churches in nations that hadn't heard about Jesus. And I thought, I want to be one of those men. I got a bit older, realised I was a little girl, (laughs) and I'd grow up to be a woman, not a man. (laughs) So I had some thinking, and I thought, right, how am I going to do this then? Genius idea came. I will marry one of these men. (laughs) Then I could follow them around while they do all of this. (laughs) And I'd get to experience it through them. So I could still do this plan that I wanted to do, just through my husband doing it. I grew up a bit more, and I met this lovely chap and fell in love with him. My husband is very talented, He is extremely kind-hearted, servant-hearted, and extremely sure that God has not destined him to be an extroverted preacher to the thousands. (laughs) He is very sure that he has other giftings from God. So I thought, okay, do I go and find someone else and leave this guy who's been chasing me for 10 years? (laughs) And I had some thinking to do, and I thought, okay, what is actually the call from God? Is it still achievable? And where is my heart in this? So hopefully you know the answer to that question, if it's something that I could still do. If not, hopefully it'll be clear by the end of the preach. I believe the couple that we're going to be looking at today, so Priscilla and Aquila, um, demonstrate dividing their lives for the advancement of God's kingdom, regardless of cultural expectations. They were risk-takers, they were countercultural, and they were co-workers. So I'm going to introduce Priscilla and Aquila to you. We're going to look at how they live their lives. So Priscilla is mentioned six times throughout the New Testament. She appears in Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy. We're going to do a whistle-stop tour through all of those. So we first meet them in Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. A few verses down in verses 18 and 19, we see them again. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Cenchrae because of a vow he had taken. They had arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. We pick up again down at verse 24. So meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though... He knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. 
When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So, that's the main bit of the couple, but we then see them pop up in some of Paul's letters as he sends greetings and thanks to them while they're in Rome. So in Romans, we see, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all of the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. And then he sends greetings from them and their church to their previous church in Corinth. So the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. The final reference to this couple come from Paul's letter when he's in prison in Rome. So this would be about 15 or 16 years after the first meeting. Um, Writing to Timothy, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Okay, so this couple are popping up all over the place. Um, I've got a lovely map that shows... (laughs) I had to do a map. (laughs) That shows where we see them, just to get some context of where all these places are. Let's look a bit closer at what they were doing at each of these cities and at each of those points in the Bible. So we'll start in Corinth. Priscilla and Aquila have moved from Rome to Corinth. They've basically been kicked out by the emperor who exiled all of the Jews and all of the Jewish Christians. We know from their introduction that they are both tent makers and it was through this trade that they came across Paul. They invited Paul in to share their home and to share their livelihood. We know from later in the passage that he stayed with them, working with them for at least 18 months and it seemed to be the foundation of a very long friendship. Then Priscilla and Aquila pack up their home again and seem to travel with Paul to Ephesus on what is referred to as part of his second missionary journey. Paul leaves them there, and when they evangelize and teach, and they begin planting what we know as the Ephesian church, they then come across the influential preacher Apollos. He was preaching in the synagogue about Jesus, but he didn't know the full story. So Priscilla and Aquila gently invited him into their home and taught him of Jesus' baptism and of the Holy Spirit. They continued to disciple him, to teach and encourage, before writing basically a letter of introduction and recommendation to the church in Achaia, releasing Apollos to go and minister there. The couple then travelled to Rome and appeared to lead another church there. At some point earlier, they'd risked their lives for Paul. Remember, in Romans, Paul thanking them for saving his life. So in his letters to the Roman churches, he personally thanks his co-workers and sends thanks from all of the churches of the Gentiles. So that's all of the churches of the non-Jews. We don't know what they did to save his life, but we know it's clearly significant. So in Ephesus, later, the couple seem to be back in... Ephesus with Paul and they send greetings from their church in Ephesus to their original church in Corinth and it appears they're still there about 10 years later when Paul greets them from prison in his letter to Timothy so clearly this couple were a key part of the early church Paul regards them as co-workers all the churches of the region know them 
and are grateful to them. I hadn't heard of them before I started this preach. <laughs> but clearly, they had a very important role. They seem to be living this countercultural life in which Priscilla has a position of significance. So in the cultural norm in the Greco-Roman world in the first century, women were not equal to men. Women were viewed as lower than men. They had no influence. They couldn't hold roles of community leadership. Yet we see Priscilla was regarded by Paul as an equal co-worker and leader. There are many different interpretations as to why Priscilla's name appears before Achilles on several occasions. I think one thing that we can safely interpret from that is that she had an equal role with Aquila. She clearly was not just following her husband around, making sure that dinner was ready for when he got back from a long, hard day at the synagogue. We saw in the scriptures that they were tent makers. Priscilla and Aquila accompanied Paul. They invited Apollos and explained the truth to him. They risked their lives and the churches met at their houses. I think looking at all we know of their lives, I would say they're definitely risk takers. Not only did they risk their lives for Paul and the church, they risked living counterculturally. They risked packing up their home time and time again. They risked welcoming strangers into their home and sharing their business, their livelihood with these strangers. And they risked again and again starting a church in a new country miles away from their home in a land they didn't know. So if they were just normal people, they're not the main characters of the Bible. I think we can agree that. They're just normal people. And they did that. They had such a significant role in the early church. That means any of us could be like them. Just think about that. (laughs) How did they do it? They got themselves ready to be used. So let's look at how they got themselves ready. Firstly... They committed themselves to learning more of God. For the time that Paul lived and worked with them in Corinth, they clearly just didn't do small talk with him and occasionally asked how the weather was. From them explaining to Apollos the way of God, they must have had a deep understanding of the foundations of faith, of repentance, of faith in Jesus, of baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Paul trusted them in mentoring Apollos. Apollos, we see later on, goes to preach to thousands. He goes and ministers. He goes and evangelizes. He's one of the big apostles. Paul also trusts them in planting the Ephesus church. He leaves them there as he carries on his missionary journey. Clearly, he trusted they had a good grasp of the scriptures and of Jesus' teachings. Secondly, they did what was needed to support the growth of the church. They didn't shy away from the uncomfortable. They used their business as a tool to fund their mission, to fund pools, to sponsor other apostles and churches, and to also provide a meeting place for the church. We saw the church met in their house in multiple locations, this house that was funded by their work. They did that to follow God's call. It would have been quite tempting once they'd been exiled from Rome to set up their nice tent-making business, maybe expand around the corner, do a little um, discount shop around the other corner, you know, plant a few of them and just start building up their profits, building up their house. 
But no, they shared their business and they followed God's call without hesitation to the next country. They also created a home environment that meant scripture was written in their home. So we know that Paul wrote 1 and 2 Thessalonians while he was staying in Corinth. The way of writing letters in the first century tended to be a long collaborative process. So we see at the start of those letters, Paul writes that it's from him, from Silas, and from Timothy. The way they tended to write those letters, it would be long nights around in the home of whoever was sponsoring Paul at the time, of collaborating, of brainstorming in a sense. I'm not saying that um, Aquila and Priscilla wrote those letters. We can't presume that. But we know that they enabled them by providing a space that the scripture could be written. Thirdly, that's you. (laughs) I know I'm engaging, but look at that. (laughs) Thirdly, they lived for Christ and not themselves. They didn't try and make themselves the main characters. They weren't working for their own glory. They discipled and lifted up others. When the great preacher Apollos came and taught in the synagogue that they were at, and they saw that he was teaching what wasn't quite right, they didn't take the opportunity to say, hang on, we know this better, and refute him in front of everyone. No, they welcomed him into their home. They quietly took him aside and taught him the way of the scriptures and taught him the way of Jesus more accurately. They continued to minister to him. They continued to disciple him, to enable and empower him to go and minister across the world. They were risk takers for the gospel. They were prepared to sacrifice their lives for the sake of Christ's church. What greater way to live for Christ? Fourthly, I know you meant to do three points. Fourthly, (laughs) they worked in partnership. This point is not about being married. You do not need to be married to be used by God. We see that they work in partnership with each other, but also with Paul, presumably with Silas and Timothy, with Apollos, with the other church leaders in the early church at that time. Remember, the churches of the Gentiles thanked them. Paul was famously single, yet he constantly partnered with others. Even more famously single was Jesus. What did he do when he began his mission? He found 12 disciples to partner with. Priscilla and Aquila knew that they could not work alone, but instead devoted themselves to working with others by sharing their homes, their knowledge, their wealth, and their livelihood. So when I look at Priscilla, and I think back to my little, little cute me's views, I think, actually, that's a way that I could live my life, not striving to be the main character, but striving instead to empower others to do all that I can for the good of the church, to live for Christ. So what if we did this? What if we opened our homes and lives to others? I've heard from several different people in the church that they want to be mentored. They want the chance to disciple others and to be discipled. So what if we start doing that? 
we've got a group of new students coming soon. Why don't we take the time to invest in them? We've got some great youth here. They're so keen to learn, and God clearly has some great plans for them. Let's work with them. There are future Pauls and Apollos in this church. There are also a great bunch of Priscilla and Aquilas. Let's take the time to invest in each other, to open up our homes to each other. So that was just a couple of examples of groups of people, but I think this applies to all of us. Secondly, what if we become risk takers? If we sacrificed our comfort, if we were prepared to give everything to serve Jesus. If Priscilla had said, actually, I think I'd rather not let this stranger Paul come and live in our house, and I'd really rather not share our earnings with him. If she said, I know where culture says I should be as a woman, and it's definitely not sticking my neck out like this. The early church would not have been what it was. If they hadn't taken every risk, every opportunity they had, the early church would not have thrived as it was. So what if we lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel as they did? Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. What if we actually lived like that? And finally, what if we worked as a team? Aquila and Priscilla weren't tempted to build their own ministry, to build their own following. It was never about them. It was always about building Christ's church. So how could we best serve together? How could we devote ourselves to working as a team and not for our individual gain. We all have different God-given skills. What if we use them to serve each other? Priscilla and Aquila lived their lives for the glory of Jesus. They knew that he is worthy of everything. That's how I want to live my life. I love being part of a church full of Priscilla and Aquila's. Let's continue to be risk-takers working together to build Christ's church for his glory. I would love for you to stand and pray with me as we go into a short time of worship to close. The band wants to come up. Let's commit ourselves again to following the Lord wholeheartedly. Who knows what he might do through all of us, not just those who preach to thousands, but those who faithfully serve Jesus opening our homes to disciple others, working as a team and taking risks for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you love your church. We thank you that you have a role for every single one of us within it. We thank you that you use the unexpected. Lord, we commit ourselves again to living fully for you. Lord, we want to sacrifice all for your glory. We want to see your kingdom come in this city. We want to see your kingdom come across this world, Lord. Lord, we are open and ready for you to use us. Lord, will you move in power? Holy Spirit, come and fill us anew. And renew us each day as we wake up 
And we say we want to take risks for you, Lord. Amen.